Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Leads That Podcast. I'm James and I'm with Rocco. Hello. I'll say I'm with Rocco. He's in uh, he's in southwest France. He's in Bordeaux. I am near enough on the coast. Arcachon, if anyone's heard of it, I hadn't. But it's lovely, very nice. I'm out on my balcony at the moment, and it's pitch black, but it's all good. He, it seems very middle class going to France. I don't know what it is. I sh- I'm surprised you don't have a little glass of wine there, a little goblet, Rocco. Or maybe you do. Well, fun, funnily enough, that's exactly what I've got. <laughs> that, that's not that's not a goblet. That's like a massive tumbler of wine. Um, there you go. You can take the man out of uh, out of Yorkshire. Excellent. Um, and um, well, whilst we're on the subject of Bordeaux, what what are you doing there, Rocco? I was having a look at top ten things to do in Bordeaux for you. I know you're slightly out of there. It's, it's the same as usual when you Google this sort of stuff, though. It's like markets and gardens. Well, yeah, th- this was. This was a marathon, actually. I didn't compete, though. It's just like a, it's like a festival. It's not like a serious marathon. It's marathon du Medoc. Ca- casual, <laughs> casual marathon. Well, very casual. They stop like there's like thirty stopping points, and like they have glasses of wine, and <laughs> you know, eat cheese and oysters, and yeah, it's yeah, pretty amazing actually. So yeah, the guy I was staying with, he had thirty-one glasses of wine on the way around, and yeah, he was he was pretty pissed. <laughs> Did it in six and a half hours, that which isn't am- bad considering. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I know. I want to. I want to compete next time. My kind of marathon. So yeah, we thought we'd. Um, well, it's it's the Monday after the uh, draw at home to. Well, the, the draw at home was Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, we're going to reflect on the transfer window or the end of the transfer window or the shutting, the slamming shut of the transfer window or door, whatever. Is it door? It's a window. It's a window. And- and transfer door, who's a, it's never been referred to as a transfer door, has it? Um, so we'll, we'll talk a bit about the last few days of that and we'll also dig into the, the Sheffield Wednesday game as well. So yeah, I mean, transfer window overall was, uh, in my opinion, I, I think it was pretty successful given that there were so many outgoings at the start. We ended in a, a fairly strong position and one of the, the final ones coming through the door was, was Jed Spence, who came in on a season-long loan for a million pounds. Uh, pretty impressive stats actually when you look at him he was he was part of the the team of the year in the championship in 21-22 promoted with Nottingham Forest uh, he had the fifth number uh, sorry fifth highest number of take-ons uh, most progressive carries and yeah he, he just looks like a, a solid solid unit and a great signing for us what were your thoughts when Jed came in 
Uh, yeah, I was happy. It seems like a, a high quality addition. I don't know what happened to him last season, but yeah, yeah, at Forest, obviously, he did, he did very, he, he wasn't, he wasn't at Forest last season, was he? It was the season before. Yeah, it was, a, it was yeah, a promotion season. season. Yeah. But anyway, you know, yeah, to get someone like that in, I think is, it, it can only be good. I'd have preferred it if he was left footed, but yeah, it is what it is. And he, he looked really good. I guess we'll come in, come on, come on to it, but he looked really good in his little cameo on Saturday, didn't he? Yeah, we will come on to that because there's some things I want to say on it as well. And Glenn Kamara was the other one who, I mean, we've been linked, linked with him. Well, since the beginning of the time, really, haven't we? I saw that Phil Hay had retweeted someone's post about the transfer being depicted in the Bayer tapestry, which I think is probably <laughs> is probably about right. Looking back at it, I think it was about four years ago that we were first linked to them. Uh, Bielsa was at the club. Nice. Well, yeah, maybe it's bodes well. He's the taste of the, the great man. Yeah, it was a funny one how it just dragged on and on this summer. I mean, it seems seems like we were just waiting for potentially better options. That's how it's been dressed up, I believe. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one for him to come to a club where he wasn't potentially wasn't first choice. But, but yeah, as we've said before, these things are complicated and everything changes quickly. So I think he seems a, a solid addition. Again, another one of these players, I guess, that's coming to us a little bit on the down. You know, he's, he's shown that he's capable, but he's also shown that, you know, he's... Well, he's out of the Rangers team at the moment, so, you know, I don't know the reasons and the ins and outs, but that's happened. But yeah, I think it's a solid addition. I think we're looking pretty, pretty good in midfield for numbers now. I think we've addressed every area that we needed to address, really, apart from left back, of course. So I'm overall, I'm, I'm very happy. I think one of the things that strikes me with Kamara, and maybe it's not the sort of thing that you should really hang everything on, but the fact that he's older as well, you know, he's 28. Um, so he's coming in with a ton of experience playing for Rangers, which you know is a different league. But there's it's um, there's a, a massive amount of pressure playing for one of the Glasgow sides, and I think he'll come in and and do a good job just in terms of experience, and hopefully just try and sort of glue glue us together a bit as well. You know, I think there's midfield is performing very well. Archie Gray is a cracking player, and he's obviously going to be amazing in the future. But I think maybe there's just that little bit more experience in there will help us at times. Yeah, I think it was imperative to get a player like that. And yeah, you know, he's a player that's played in the Europa League final, you know, been a, an important part of that team that got all the way to the final. So yeah, that's that, yeah, a good calibre of player and an amazing experience, obviously an international as well. I think you're right. I think we needed that. You know, we have got people that can fill that position like Shackleton, well, Greenwood's gone and... JB went in the end, didn't he, as well? So, so I guess we are pretty sure. But, you know, there's people that can do a job there. But, nah, we needed somebody proper to, at the very least, put pressure on Gray. But, yeah, clearly we needed we needed cover as well, quality cover in those areas. So, yeah. JB stayed in the end, actually. So he was heavily linked with Swansea, I think, and it nearly went through, but he actually stayed um, for whatever reason. Um, he yeah. was there warming up at the start of the game. Nice to see him. He got an he got an applause. Bless him. Well, it was just saying it's hard to keep up on dental eye day. I was I was I was flying that day. So and everything I mean it was just a crazy, crazy day, wasn't it? So yeah, JB Stoner going <laughs> it was like, yeah, bottom of the agenda. 
Well, yeah, and that was kind of mixed in with, like you say, all the noise of everything else, which we'll come on to. So it was easy to be, uh, you're easily forgiven, Rocco, for thinking he might have gone. Um, but so, so uh, Groove, Groove signed mm-hmm. as well. That was that was a bit of a, a curveball. Bulgarian international who's away on international duty already. And as is, as are a lot of our players, actually, I was thinking maybe in this break, we could kind of get a good run with Farka to get a, another little pre-seasoning, but turns out we've bought a load of ballers that are away <laughs> yeah i know but yeah I, I i can't i can't give any comment on on the bulgarian can't even remember his name now gruev never heard him of him but yeah let, let's hope he's good enough i it's i think it's probably more of a punt obviously he was playing second division wasn't he in, in germany yeah, but so- i think he's had a is he had a season in the bundesliga and then he's he's now and then he's had a season in the in the second tier yeah, I saw someone who'd obviously pulled together a Y Scout video of him. It was all, he was pinging loads of lovely balls around the pitch. We'll see if he can do it at Leeds. But it is one of those where I quite like it, and I hope it does work out. And where everyone's a bit like, eh. and and they turn out to be absolute world beaters. So you yeah. never know, dear. Yeah, um, definitely, that's the thing. And and he's coming in with like very little pressure on him. You know, it's a very different type of signing to Kamara. You know, people will expect stuff from Kamara. And yeah, that guy might be the one that shines. Yeah, let's see. I'm looking forward to seeing seeing him in action, of course. And the major talking point on transfer deadline day was what was going to happen with kind of our key star players, if you like, um, Nonto and Sinistera in particular. Sinistera was the one that everyone had been talking about all week, sort of saying, well, he's, you know, he is the best player in the league. If we lose him, we're, then we're really short. And and that was the major concern. And on on, on deadline day itself, there was a photo of him outside Thorpe Arch um, where he'd been training that afternoon. And, um, a couple of fans had asked him whether he was staying and he said yes. And then a couple of hours later or into the evening, it was reported that he was having a medical at Bournemouth. And so I, I actually watched uh, Joe Wyman uh, on YouTube for, for transfer deadline day. I watched those guys talking on those. And it was, it was good, actually. I felt like I was in the room uh, sharing the stress of transfer deadline day and yeah, and it was it was quite dramatic. And yeah, the de- obviously we got further into the evening, and, and actually difficulties looked to have come up, and the clubs were struggling to agree on it. It was being reported, and um, so that was positive. But then things started to emerge that well, we got past the deadline, and then it was there was talk of a deal sheet being put in. Now, if anyone doesn't know what a deal sheet is, it's basically the last chance before um, the the window, not the door, slams shut um, fully. But that extra hour means that basically the clubs have agreed on a that they are actually going to make a deal and they're just trying to get the paperwork in place so it gives them an extra hour. And, he, and as the deal sheet came in for Sinistera, it was kind of clear that he was then going to go. And to be honest, like everyone was stressed and everyone you watched was raging about it. And I get it, but my feeling was the same throughout the whole transfer window in that we might lose him. And he is a massive risk for us as well for having someone who's of quite big, well, significant value who has had a lot of injuries, it means that we potentially struggle to fill that role at all if he's here. So for me, I was kind of, I was a bit more optimistic than others. How how are you feeling, Rocco? Yeah, same as you, really. Uh, if we had to lose one of Somerville and Sinistera, even though Sinistera is probably the best of the three, I'd probably choose to lose him. Yeah, because of his injury record, I think that's a, you know, a, a pretty safe gamble uh, to to think that we might get more from the other two. Yeah, and the fact that he's gone, the fact that it all panned out as it did, I, I'm glad that he's gone. You know, he's, he's uh, you know, that, you know, telling the fans that he's staying, you know, 
that's just that's just just absolutely disgusting to be honest for a guy who's worked so hard to get out of the club and was working so hard to get out to say to the fans that he's staying I mean even Yonto I went into a, a petrol station um, a few weeks ago and the, I was wearing my Leeds hat and the guy behind the counter said that Yonto had just come in and he'd asked him if he was staying and he just sort of smiled and sort of you know shook his head about and said oh, we'll see you know <laughs> so that's it's like a, a feather in Yonto's cap you know he didn't want to lie to the fans but yeah, that's disgusting, to be honest. That, that really annoys me. That's the first time I've heard about that. So yeah, good riddance to him. I hope he's injured all season and has a terrible career. <laughs> that's the Leeds United spirit. Yeah. It's... Well, let's move on, shall we? Like, well, the, the other thing is he's, he's not a Leeds though. player. We should focus on the Leeds players. No, but it is funny how like the, you know, if you don't want to be here, then, you know, fuck off thing like Nyonto's still here he didn't want to be here so I don't really get the, how that works but anyway yeah like you say this is the squad we've got now Nyonto has apologised yeah I think the squad now is a lot stronger than I thought it would be at the end of last season I think I said that they'd do incredibly to build a squad that could get into the playoffs and I think they've done that so yeah fair play to them absolutely fine what they've done on the pitch I think they've shown a lot of now getting in the people that they have I think maybe they've got a bit lucky in terms of Farker because I don't think they, I know, maybe giving them a disservice, but I don't know if they were sort of knew how well he would handle this situation. I, I feel like they've appointed him because he's the most qualified that they could get. But then they've also got, you know, this guy that, that handled this situation just absolutely perfectly. Um, fair play to them if, if they, they, you know, use that as a factor as well. But yeah, gotta say, uh, credit to the 49ers. It's a it's a very very good summer uh, on the pitch. So yeah, clap clap. One thing we have to just quickly mention is the relegation clause in itself, and or whatever it was that was kind of in the contract that caused this legal issue, which essentially meant they had to let him go as well. So one to uh, unpick again another day, and I'm sure we will talk about it for probably years. Actually, It'll be one of those things that's just a legacy leads thing now. Yeah. Uh, and touching on Willie, touching Willie, so he obviously has stayed, which is which is great, or is it? I don't know. We're still in a bind with that. And one of the reasons for him wanting to go was to further his chances of getting in the Italy team. He is in the Italy team, so uh, he's he's not got to let that worry his little soul anymore, which is which is wonderful. And um, one of the things that I read today, which I found quite interesting, was Sean Dyche had uh, said that we weren't close enough to any situation. The truth is that certain parameters, guidelines we're now at, the club is not in the spot it was two or three years ago. I think that has become apparent. So basically, they never got close to Leeds' valuation of him and it was never looking like he was going to go there. And to be honest, after watching Nonto at the weekend, I do actually think the best thing for him is to be in the championship learning his trade right now. Because if you are in a pressure situation like Everton or any Premier League club, trying to learn your way to get around right backs and create space and earn chances for your team. That environment is not the best to learn. I think he's in a great position for his career to kick on. And I know that sounds like biased Leeds United fan stuff, and it probably is, to be honest, but I do think there's a lot to be said about it. And um, I think long-term he will benefit massively from it. Yeah, I think so as well. Absolutely. I mean, well, we've seen it last season. You know, he, he he couldn't get a game for us because of the situation we were in, you know. And yeah, going to Everton and, and being in and probably a similar situation, but maybe he'd have been playing. Maybe he wouldn't, you know, who, who knows? 
but yeah, having the guaranteed game time at Leeds, yeah, playing a level down, I think is probably good for him. You know, still very, very young, you know, very highly rated. I mean, it might even do him well just to take a few eyes off him for a little bit because, yeah, after he burst onto the scene and Gary Neville, like, never stopped fawning over him. He did it in the yeah, Salford game, wasn't he? He did, to be fair, yeah. But yeah, since then, he just sort of, yeah, he did, well, I mean, he did get injured, so maybe it's unfair to say he went off the boil, but he never got back in the team. So, you know, what does that tell you? I don't know. So yeah, no, he, it's right that he continues here, I think. I think it'll do him, do him the world of good. And did he did he get any abuse then on on Saturday? Was there many, many boos or anything? A few little boos here and there, but nothing major. It'll come to pass, so... Yeah. And the other thing to, to touch on, the last thing to touch on regarding the transfer window is Jaden Anthony coming the other way from Sinister at Bournemouth. And I think this is a really under the radar transfer. I say under the radar, obviously people are aware of it, but I think it's a bigger deal than we're actually thinking and feeling that it is right now. I think he's going to be an absolutely cracking player for us. And when you look at his stats again from the 21-22 season at Bournemouth, he was top for passes into penalty area, second for goal creation, creating actions, and third for expected assists. And I think they are the sort of things that we are crying out for. Breaking players, sorry, breaking teams down a bit like Sheffield Wednesday the other day where there was just that, which we'll come on to low block and really struggling to get through them I think he's the sort of player that'll be brilliant for us and I think he's a really nice lad I've watched a couple of interviews and he seems absolutely cracking considering the the club have just been like yeah no we're all right you can go up there we want this guy I think he's handled himself brilliantly and and the fact that he's talked about being excited at playing at this great club and even if you know what they are kind of only words Sinister didn't say any of that stuff when he went to Bournemouth it's very clear that he ambitions just lie in playing top level football he doesn't care who he plays for I think Jaden Anthony's already scoring high on my card anyway uh, yeah absolutely and uh, I mean it's disgusting really what Bournemouth have done to him you know and, and it's so typical Premier League and, yeah. it's, and it's so cutthroat isn't it you know this young lad who's helped get them up and done really really well started every game this season I mean, maybe he's played terribly, I don't know. But then suddenly they're just bringing some international, you know, who's, yeah, got that the terrible injury record. And, you know, he just comes in and takes his place without even a training session. You know, he's just literally happy to get rid of their, their young talent. Yeah, it's pretty brutal, really. So, like you say, I've seen the interviews as well. And also, just from the tweets that I've seen from a few Bournemouth fans, you know, really praising his attitude, his work rate, which is important, of course. So I'm hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think we've got loads of options out there anyway. You know, you've got Dan James there as well. And then, you know, even then behind him, you know, Pervedo was like on everyone's, quite high on everyone's ratings in, in the summer. He's still here, isn't he? He didn't go anywhere. No, that's it. He's still here. Good old Ian. We'll have to see how it pans out with Jaden Anthony. Obviously, we'll have to see how it pans out with all of them. That's how football works. You can't just judge them and smelt them at this point, can you? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, he's gen- one I'm genuinely excited about, and I think he will he'll do really, really well this season. And I hope he does. So it's a pleasure to have him at the club. And um, yeah, moving on to Sheffield Wednesday that was on Saturday. You said you would have traded Bordeaux for Beast and Rocco. I don't believe you. Although it was beautiful, <laughs> it was a beautiful afternoon. And yeah, yeah there was. It- Sorry, it was breaking up a bit then. Yeah, I know. Seems all right now. Yeah, it was a beautiful afternoon in Beeston. I had a lovely, nice cold Guinness from the cop bar. 
you can get Guinnesses in there if you go to the top, if no one knew that. There's one little bar that sells them. Six pounds a pint though. And yeah, it was it was good. I think everyone was excited and looking forward to it. I think they were looking forward to it because everyone, like ourselves, put us down for a 4-1 or 4-0 or 5-0 or 5-1, thinking it was going to be a drubbing. And in the very Leedsy fashion, it wasn't. And it was it was a funny one because everyone was kind of excited at the start. But when we just, you got sort of 20 minutes in and we weren't really breaking them down or having loads of good chances, everyone, it went a bit sort of flat and people were a bit nervous and the Ellen Road, I know the Ellen Road, well, it's just nerves just crept in. Have you managed to watch much of the game back, Rocco? What were your thoughts? No, I've only been able to, well, I was able to watch the last 20 minutes. So I was otherwise engaged, but managed to, yeah, slope off and and hoped to see the winning goal. But never really looked like coming, did it? You know, we had Dignanto penalty appeal and and then Rutter lob, (laughs) I suppose you have to call it. Yeah, the thing is, it's frustrating. The, the thing is with that, Lob, I know we'll just talk about whichever moments come to mind in that game, but the thing with that Lob was the, t- the first touch before it was absolutely incredible. Like he did all the hard work and he then just tried to dink it over the keeper. And I think Farker made the comment after the game, didn't he? He's talking about him being a forward himself and just saying, you know, Rooter is, he's saying that he's a quality player. He said, but he just, he kind of sort of nodded to the fact that he is overthinking stuff and you can kind of see it. And you, afterwards he was, he looked so deflated to did Ruta because he was just, he just knew it was like basic stuff that you should be doing and that he can do, but for whatever reason in the moment, he's kind of overthinking it. And that I suppose just comes with age and experience as well. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's all a bit over the top though, to be honest. Like, I, I mean, it would have been an amazing goal if he'd have scored it, you know, if he'd have lobbed the keeper. You know, we'd have all been, you know, absolutely ecstatic. I mean, you know, Bridges after the game, I heard him and analysing it and he sort of said the keeper was in no man's land, you know, he's, you know, he can just take an extra couple of touches and go around him. But actually, like, I don't know, I don't really buy that. You know, a few extra touches, the whole situation can change a little bit. You know, Farker said something about just putting your foot through it, but, you know, the keeper's well, well out, you know, narrowing that angle. You know, it, it wasn't a sitter. I don't think so. And Farker's comments surprised me. I mean, he scored last week. He scored a brilliant goal last week. And he's talking as if he's, you know, I know it's only one goal, but he's talking like he's, you know, not scored in, you know, six months when he scored last week. So I, I don't know. I just feel like that sort of talk is a bit premature. But hey, I mean, that's that's what he's seeing. And, you know, maybe he's even struggling in training. But I think still, I still see some things now in Rutter. You know, I. I thought he was a write-off in the summer. I really did. Well, since he signed, before we signed him, I thought he was going to be. He was a write-off, to be honest. But I'm seeing stuff in him that I think he can turn into and be a, a good striker for us in the championship. I, I, I really do. As long as his head's right and he's and he's working hard, and I think he can do it. There was a couple of moments in the first half. First one was where he came deep for it and did a nice little one-two down the left-hand side. Um, dribbled into the box and then passed it but he just sort of passed it to the keeper and it was really disappointing because it was like he did all the really cool hard work of getting there it was cool it was like sometimes he looks quite cool doesn't he and um, and then there was obviously a shot in the first half where he the keeper made a, like an unbelievable save he had a really good game I thought as well and that would have been brilliant and that would have turned the game well not even turned the game it would have just sealed it for us I think we would have just been on to them then because it was too early on but 
it just didn't come off for him. And I felt I felt for him because he was having an all right game in comparison to where you look at Piro, who I think a lot of people are saying he was kind of coming too deep and not getting involved in the the game too enough. And um, I thought he I thought he had an all right game. He just no, it just wasn't like at Ipswich where he was kind of really key to a lot of the attack. Um, he just seemed to sort of go missing. Then every now and then you're like, oh yeah, Piro's playing. So I didn't know whether that was just because of how. Wednesday was set up, or whether it was you were just having an off day. I think it was probably the setup of the of the of their kind of low block more than anything, to be honest. Yeah, maybe it is surprising to see him play so deep. I mean, I I turned it on on seventy minutes, so at that point, obviously we're you know we're pushing for a, a winning goal, and I was shocked. Like one of the first things I saw was Wednesday breaking forward, and and it was Piro that was chasing you know chasing the fullback back, and you know not not. Not like being a diehard, you know, he was just, that was his job. You know, he was basically in attacking midfield, which is very surprising, isn't it? You know, I, at, at Ipswich, he was definitely deeper, but I, I didn't think he was as deep as he looked like he was playing from what I saw in, in, the, in the Wednesday game. And, and that's, the, that's the game where you think you'd be pushing them both right up together. So yeah, yeah, a bit of a funny one. Don't really know what to think apart from that it's wrong. No. And I suppose we just have to see how that pans out as well. Like, what happens? Do they change how they play? Does he not play as deep? Does he push further forward? Does he play out and out? Does he play up there with Ruto? And I think we'll just find out over time. And it's always going to vary, you know, judging on who we play as well. Yeah, there was a, there was a few things in, in the game that I thought were interesting. Shackleton's boot came flying off again. You might not have seen that. <laughs> no way. How yeah. far this time? Did he break his record? It wasn't as far, but everyone pretty much in the stand just sort of sighed and were like, again, is he not tying his shoelaces? But I think he wears those ones that don't have any laces. You know, they're like the slip-on ones. Okay. A glass slipper. I think it's like a glass slipper, isn't it? <laughs> and there was a moment where I think actually Gray got fouled and Luke uh, Aileen sort of came in and was like, hey, get off, you 17, sort of thing. And I quite like that. Like, go on, Luke, look after him. How did he play? She? No. Oh. Oh, well, we'll come on to that. Uh, I know, he was all right. Archie, Archie had a good game, a really good game. And I think it, the thing for me is that, and I, don't, I tried to have a look before we came on to see if there was any kind of pass maps anywhere, um, just to see what his passing ranges were like. And he does some, obviously does some really nice long balls every now and then. But part of me wonders as well if he's, if he does sideways pass quite a lot, which there's nothing wrong with that, in, given the situations that we're in. But I wonder if you have someone that comes in with a bit more experience who's just willing to test their nerve a bit more and try some trickier passes and get through the lines a bit more. And like I say, it's nothing against Archie. He's 17 and he's playing in a championship side under a lot of pressure. You know, Leeds United, are, the fans' expectations are always huge. So you can't fault him. He's just coming into, his, into the game. So I think the one thing I might... Well, even when Kamara came on, because he had a... The cameo appearance, there was kind of a few little flicks that he did around players and, you know, just kind of got us up the field a bit quicker and you just think, yeah, we haven't really seen that from Archie yet. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think it is natural, you know, for a kid that young, you know, we look at the crossfield balls he's done, you could probably count them on one hand and one of them set up a goal, you know, it was a belter at Ipswich. So I think as he gets more confident and, you know, settled in the team, I'm, I'm sure we'll see. Seems strutting his stuff a little bit more. Yeah, and if it was the other way and he was pinging loads of balls around and they were all crap, everyone would be like, what is he doing? <laughs> He'd be like a flashy 17-year-old. So 
So he's doing the right things for where he's at at the moment. I did, you know, I have no complaints on that. And you asked about Luke Aylin, and I thought he had an all right game. There was a couple of times, as always, where he was caught out a little bit. But I think the noticeable thing was Jed Spence obviously came on quite late in the game. And Jed Spence had left his man, and he had to make up ground really quick. And watching it live was unbelievable how fast it was. Like I could not believe his pace. It was frightening. And all of a sudden, like everyone was like, like around us was like, just couldn't yeah. believe it. And that is because we've gone from Ailey, who's, you know, he's, he's been sturdy in attack and he supports going up the field, but his pace is going, sadly. And to see it, a right back moving that way was actually it was staggering. And I think there was a couple of moments where he, he got us up the field pretty quick and he was skillful on the ball as well. And you just think, yeah, this is, this is a good sign. And, and, uh, I wish, Luke and I wish Jed the best for this season because we're going to need Luke, let's be honest. It was one of those debuts where everything just went right for him, wasn't it? Like, I don't think, I don't think he put a foot wrong, really. And even when he looked like he was going to get tackled, he'd like bundle his way through somehow. And like, even down in the corner flag at the cup end, like, looked like they were going to win a goal kick off him, but the ball like spanned, stayed in, in play. And yeah, it just looks. Just, yeah, one of those occasions, although it was obviously very short, but yeah, it sort of felt like everything went his way. And like you say, yeah, that, that was super. I mean, it saved us, you know, that recovery to save, uh, block, block the shot, get the tackle in and then block the shot as well, I think. So that was, yeah, a, a big plus sign. Maybe we'll put Aileen on the rack. Yeah. I don't know whether it's one of those things where he'd left his man that that's, again, it's an instructional thing, a bit like Aileen, where he's told to push on. Because I think they are on the right-hand side, a right-back is they're telling, they're being told to push on. But it's just the fact that he could recover it was just staggering. You know, he had no right to get back. So watch watch that space. Let's see what happens there. And we talked about Shackleton and his, his flying boot. He had a good shot as well. He was unlucky not to score uh, where he tucked inside and and he was linking up really well with Nyonto because there was times in the game where it was massively frustrating. And there'll be loads of games like that, as there were when we were in the championship before, where we can't get through. But he seemed to be the one that was kind of unlocking them a bit with Nyonto down the left-hand side. And I thought he had a really good game. We, we talk about it all the time. Like Shotgun's engine is ridiculous and he didn't stop. He didn't lose any tempo in his game at all. And uh, yeah, I thought it was really encouraging considering everyone's been panicking about us not having a left back I think it, it's great yeah what did you think about the the penalty on Yonto then well that was right in front of us and uh, I obviously we put something out on Twitter that loads of Sheffield Wednesday fans have been jumping on but the reaction is so mixed from everyone like that some people think it's some people don't think it is at all for me I think like it's he so clumsily leans into and if a player's at full pace as well going past you like you are going to fall over. I don't think it's that he's diving. I think that he's actually got this clumsy oaf on his back that sort of pushed him over, to be honest. So for me, I, I, I think it's a penalty, but I'm obviously biased. Yeah, me too. I'm biased. And I think it's an <laughs> absolute stonewall penalty. I mean, the guy has, you know, I, I'm all I'm all for allowing, you know, contacts, extra contact and, you know, that's all fine and, and well. But I mean, the guy hadn't, he was nowhere near the ball. He'd been beaten. And he just leans into him. And at the very least, every pundit nowadays would say he's got the right to go down, you know, under under that sort of ridiculous challenge. So, you know, even even if he did dive to the floor, I still think it's a penalty. And I know that sounds incredibly biased, but I just think it is. Like the defender, what is he doing apart from trying to bring him down? It's absolutely, he's not using his strength or anything. He's just like, 
just falling well, into him. Well, that's the thing for me is like if if the defender had have stayed up and Nonto had have just gone down, I probably would have been like, get up. Like, but the fact it's like, why is the defender falling down? He's like clearly, <laughs> clearly leaning his no, 180 pounds, not even that heavy, is it? What, what are we talking stone? 25 stone man falling on this little Italian boy. Disgusted. Yeah, oh, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a fast that. It really is. And the thing is as well that annoys me is that, you know, players like Rashford and Saka would get that decision all the time and there'd be no complaints. But at Ellen Road, we just cannot get the decisions because the referee comes in and he's so keen not to be intimidated by the fans. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Because we've seen our whole lives, like that penalty that Rashford got last week for Man U, we've never seen that Ellen Road. I would love somebody to tweet me an occasion where we've had that penalty given for us at Ellen Road. It's never happened. Like it, We just don't get penalties unless they're Stonewall, pretty much. And maybe in the VAR days, it was a little bit different in the Premier League, but in the Championship, for sure, like, yeah, someone has to get shot to, for us to get a penalty at Ellen Road, it seems. It's ludicrous. I'm going to be there with my sniper on top of the East stand then, just to make sure <laughs> we, try, we try, try and get a few penalties. Well, I mean, we'll get a few injuries along the way, but we'll get some <laughs> cracking penalties. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I am with you, Rocco. There is definitely a bias that happens, and I think it's natural, isn't it? It's like a referee in their own mind. Na- it's natural. It's unnatural. But in their minds, they kind of think, well, you know, I'm not just going to give this for the, I have, this has to be a real clear penalty. Yeah. Yeah. And the referee was just, was just a bit crap in general, to be honest. Like I, even the, even the sort of added time in the first half and the second half wound me up something chronic. I was absolutely shouting at the full-time whistle. Everyone around me was like, oh God, I was literally (laughs) just, I was literally just bawling at him because I just couldn't believe he'd blown the whistle. We'd had like a minute of them taking a free kick that he didn't add on. And like 30 seconds before that, the goalkeeper was just taking his time. I just think, what, where is this new rule? Yeah. And it, it, everything always comes down to inconsistency, doesn't it? You know, same with the penalty. It's like, just be consistent and then we'll be more forgiving. Ah, oh, massively, massively. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fully behind the, you know, the, the new procedure of, of you know, cutting all this additional time on uh, for him just to not do it in one single game. You know, actually, I thought after the game, you know, is, is have they changed it? You know, because I know people were complaining about it, and you know, so I kept a look. I kept an eye on the other matches in the championship, and you know, there was loads that were going ninety plus seven, ninety plus eight, ninety plus nine. Uh, clearly, it's just inconsistency, uh, and yeah, it's, it's just baffling. Like, why do they open themselves up to such obvious criticism? Like, like what's going through that referee's head? Maybe the thing is to look at the refs of the games, I suppose. And the injury time is added on for those. Maybe he's just <laughs> not up to speed with it yet. But yeah, it's massively annoying. Like, that's just ludicrous, especially when Ipswich scored 97th minute of the first half. Oh, sorry, the seventh minute of extra uh, injury time in the first half last week when an injury time, I mean, I don't even think there was that much, was there? Uh, so yeah, it's just, just stupid. Another official observation that I made, or official's observation that I made, was. Uh, Luke Aylin, like, really tried to grab the ball off the fourth official. Like, the fourth official, for some reason, held on to the ball for an awkward, <laughs> awkward amount of time. So, like, Aylin just, like, went up to him and just sort of grabbed it off him as and shouting at him. It's, yeah, just weird. And on the whole added time thing, probably maybe to finish on, because obviously it finished nil-nil, disappointing game. Dara was over from Ireland. His flight was delayed, so we didn't get a chance to say hello to him. And then I think he's poorly as well now. <laughs> so... 
he had a, a I'm sure he had a good weekend, Dara, if you're listening. He's cos he's listening. Hi, Dara. <laughs> With your family. But sorry we didn't get to see you. And sorry it was a pretty shit game. But one thing I was going to say, a bit of positive note, is that, that Scum obviously lost at the weekend. Mm. And they lost yeah. very late on, which is always lovely to see. And uh, one thing I was going to highlight from that match is Kai Havertz. Now, he gets a lot of stick from their fans as well and fans in general for not being able to finish. And he's like 65 million. I think we should measure some of our, what's the word, impatience towards Ruta. Someone like Kai Havertz as well, you know. There's, it takes a while for players to blend in. And that's even at the, the, the highest level you're talking about, that player, a German international there. So I think we have to learn from that and give, give Ruta some more time. Yeah, Thierry Henry was pretty bad for the first year or so at Arsenal. So watch this space. Yeah, exactly. Imagine if he turns into Thierry Henry, that'd be flipping phenomenal, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boom, or whatever it was. It was clear advert, didn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. I was going to say bueno then, but that's not the right word, is it? Trebien. Trebien. Oh, yeah. look at you, you've been practicing over <laughs> in Bordeaux. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, well, I would say though, like the, I've I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of panic online because of the result, and some of my mates as well getting carried away with with us drawing nil nil. But I'm not, I'm completely calm to be honest. You know, we we'd scored four goals the previous week against the, the top of the table team, which was pretty much the first occasion where we've had a team out uh, and sort of known where we're at. And then the next week we draw nil nil. Uh, so you know, why read more into one of those games than the other? The fact of the matter is we've dominated pretty much every game this season, probably apart from Ipswich, which we won for four, three, or, you know. So I'm pretty calm. I think if we keep doing what we're doing, uh, we're going to score lots of goals and, and win lots of games. Uh, a lot of the Bielsa games were like this, struggling to break teams down. And I don't think, I think, I think we're going to get a lot better as the weeks go on. So I think things are, things are still positive. I, I feel like we're in a good way. A lot of people have been sharing the points tally for Burnley after this many games last season and them being about the same amount, I think, or less. And I think the interesting thing to point out is Sheffield Wednesday had a, a lot more points at this stage. I say a lot more, though. I think they're on like 12 or 13 points at this stage. And Luton were like below where we are now in the table. So this is such a long season and it, it's not a straight line unless you're a team like Wolves were that year. It's very rare that you kind of just go steady throughout the, the entire campaign. And I think we have to remember that and not get too caught up in it all. Things will, will definitely get better. We're not going to get worse. That is my one prediction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just look at the other results. Like Leicester losing at home to Hull and then Southampton getting smashed 5-0. So like for people to lose their minds because we've drawn 0-0 with Wednesday, uh, the Yorkshire Derby, it does, it does have some significance. Yeah, I, I, it's just 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 another game that we didn't win. Uh, but nah, it'll be fine. So as you're away sunning it up, winding it up uh, on the southwest coast of France, are we doing player ratings this week? Oh yeah, of course. But you'll have to do them. And I'll maybe jump in if I have to. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> player ratings. Do you want me uh, to? Yeah, go so on. I say the player. Give me the player. Have you got the sheet up? Are you going to record this? No, now? I'm going to have to do All it from right. memory even though I didn't watch the game. <laughs> Seven. So one thing to add there is our fans get so pissed off when he doesn't throw it out quickly. <laughs> yeah. Seven. He did a good and an He did a good one to, uh, he did a good quick throw out to Shackleton towards the end down the left wing. He did Just actually, one, yeah. one, one positive to say. Uh, 
Haley. Seven. Rodon. Seven. Strike. Seven. Byram. No, not Byram. Shackleton. <laughs> I'm going to go. Oh, God, he was he was one of our better players. I'm going to go seven, though. Seven. Ampadu. Seven. He's spotting a pattern here. What? Oh, yeah, I am, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to say Ampadu. I'm going to give him an eight. I think Ampadu is just exceptional. Like, proper quality, good signing, and he is immovable. But, but if he stays, please stay injury free. Yeah. I even noticed that in the short time I saw it. There was a few occasions where we're in tight spots and you feel like he might lose the ball. Just never seems to, does he? He's, he is a no. class act. Great signing. Gonto. Seven. Somerville. How did he do? I thought he dwelled on the ball quite a lot, actually. Uh, times where he could have moved it quicker. I think he's that's probably harsh, but maybe uh, pro- uh, seven. I'm, I think I'm going sevens like across the board. <laughs> you know, like I think maybe Ruter and Piro probably a six. And then hey, every, everyone else for me is a seven. There you go. That's easy then, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I was racking my brain to think who was on the right wing. <laughs> and then it actually it was Somerville, wasn't it? And uh, Piro was down the middle. And uh, Jed Spence. Jed Spence, I am giving a seven. Because I yeah. don't know whether, yeah, because I don't know whether that was a mistake in leaving that man, but he did recover it very well. So you could kind of say, oh, he left your man in a goal scoring opportunity there. Oh, but you also recovered him seven. That's that fluctuated between a five and an eight that moment. So I think seven's, <laughs> seven's fair. Okay. And uh, Kamara, did he play long enough to get a rating? I don't think so, no. Okay. No, no so that's rating. it then. Sevens across the whole board. Yeah, apart from Ruta and... Uh, ah, yeah. Piro. Ruta and Piro. Right. Well, that's that's <laughs> not too comfor- controversial, I don't think. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it is. Nil-nil giving sevens out. Should you just be sixes? We'll, uh, Probably, but... We'll look at how it's all going uh, over the eye break. Uh, when I get home, I'll I'll have a look and we can maybe reflect on anything interesting, who who our better players are and who are outperforming what we thought of them. That'll be really interesting. That'll keep them <laughs> gripped. That'll keep you all gripped. Uh, yeah, well, that that's probably it for this, this uh, episode. I think we'll definitely be back during the eye break. If anyone new to the podcast is wondering why the hell we're calling it eye break, Rocco had some wild idea that the international break should be modernized and called the eye break, like for the i i I was going to say iPod generation, the iPod, the iPod men and women of this world. Well, it was my friend George, actually, not me, but I I adopted it, oh, and right. took it on, so <laughs> brought it to the world. Uh, but anyway, it's it's, it's, uh, it's Uruguay, Uruguay versus Chile on Friday night. Exciting times. I'm. So glad you mentioned this because I had it. Well, I didn't have it in my notes. That's why I hadn't mentioned it. But uh, Bielsa, leave on this point. Uh, Bielsa had been coaching Nunez. He did a Zoom call with him, didn't he, before the uh, the Newcastle game. Gave him some pointers. Bang. Came on as a sub, scored too. The, the Bielsa effect. What yeah, a man. Yeah, I know. It's brilliant. I, I, uh, I, I follow this like the Uru- Uruguayan-English Twitter account. They put up a thing the other day that like said, oh, the first five fixtures are really difficult. We'll probably only get zero to three points. I'm thinking, what the hell? You're going to win every game. So, yeah, they're, they're very they're, excited. They're I'm staying a, up till, yeah. uh, till midnight to watch. Yeah, they're in for an absolute treat, aren't they? They're going to have a great time. And uh, I think um, as well, Bielsa had kind of dressed down all the journalists in that room the other day. I don't know if you'd seen that as well, the comments on it, but... Uh, have a have a look for that yeah. if you're not but but basically he was just sort of saying that journalists just it was on the whole Cavani and Suarez not being in the team wasn't it and uh 
he was just basically saying you're you're writing stuff for clicks rather than focusing on it's kind of that's the summary of it really and uh i love bielsa me too right well on that on that note we'll uh see you during the eye break at some point <laughs> thanks th- thanks again we'll see you soon cheers sports social podcast network